by the dip is is the main thing you want to do and the only time you really want to um, consider selling the top is the macro top hello there from bedford in the united kingdom how are you all so bitcoin has just crashed this morning it's just gone under fifty thousand dollars i hope you are all holding strong and didn't catch a dose of dave portnoy's jelly hands anyway listen welcome to the what bitcoin did podcast which is brought to you by the mighty kraken the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I have my monthly catch-up with on-chain data and trading expert, Willy Wu, where we discuss strategies for a Bitcoin bull market. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, we're going to kick off today with Exodus Wallet, who I have been using as my mobile and desktop wallet for managing the Bitcoin for my business. I've been telling you about this for a little while now. I'm increasingly using Bitcoin to run my business. And now, seeing as my bank has written to me and said, hey, Pete, we're closing down all your accounts after 25 years of business. It looks like I'm going to have to increasingly be using Bitcoin to run my business. And so a while back, I needed a wallet, something where at the end of the month where I get paid in Bitcoin and I pay people in Bitcoin, I could do this and audit it and keep a track record of my accountants. And when Exodus reached out to me, I checked what they were doing. The wallet's badass. So I signed up and started using it. Now, listen, if you want to check out Exodus, please do. Please head over to exodus.com or just search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. They've crushed the UX. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Next up, we have Casa, the very, very best in Bitcoin security. Now, listen, I've been a Casa customer. I think it's around nine months now. I'm going to have to check, but we're coming up to a year, and I'm going to be upgrading my account because I want Casa Diamond. Having Casa as a way to deep storage store my Bitcoin has given me so much peace of mind. It's protected me from the stupid things that I can do, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And if you are making gains in this bull market, if you want to protect your Bitcoin, then you really should be checking out Casa. And listen, they have a product for every Bitcoiner. They've got Casa Gold, which is triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's only $10 a month. They have Casa Platinum, which is their three or five multi-sig. They also have Casa Diamond, the full service offering, which includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best in class in security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security, especially in a bull market. Find out more at keys.casa, which is K-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. And next up, we have my friends over in Estonia. We have sportsbet.io. The best place for online gaming. I love these guys because they accept Bitcoin. And also, they do everything they can to promote Bitcoin. They put a Bitcoin logo on a Premier League football shirt. So if you're watching Southampton, keep an eye out. You can see the Bitcoin logo there. But they're doing everything they can to promote Bitcoin because they love Bitcoin. And with sportsbet.io, you have every market you could possibly be interested in. They have football, tennis, American sports, motorsports. They even have esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, and that is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Okay, so onto the show, and I've got Willie back on, and we're going to be discussing price action and everything that's been going on on chain. Now, it was at the end of February when I last spoke to Willie, and so much has happened since then. It's been crazy. Like, firstly, the price. In the episode we did last time, Bitcoin was sitting at around $30,000, and a couple of days ago, we hit $58,000, which is crazy enough. And then we have Elon Musk getting on the Bitcoin train. Tesla came in and bought $1.5 billion of Bitcoin. And then Michael Saylor did more Michael Saylor things. He announced that MicroStrategy was going to raise another $600 million to buy Bitcoin. But being Saylor, he wasn't happy with that and ended up raising just over a billion dollars. And then on top of that, we crashed through the trillion dollar market cap level. So lows going on. But if you subscribe to Willy Woo's newsletter, you will have seen that he says that the on-chain data suggests that retail has now arrived And this is a new phase of the bull market with up to 20,000 new users a day. So go and check out Willie's newsletter. The link is in the show notes. We get into all of this and we discussed the recent drop to around 50k during the show. I know we've dropped below it now, but this was recorded yesterday. Stuff's moving so quickly. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, please do go and check out Defiance. We've got a brand new show out for Defiance Tech. This is produced by Edwina Stott. It's called Hacking the Brain. It's an amazing show, so definitely go and check that out. And also, if you haven't signed up to my newsletter, that's at neveredit.com. That's a daily email covering macro, Bitcoin, and tech. Anyway, listen, have a great week, and I will see you all on Friday.
Anyway, man, we've got a lot to a lot to talk about. So much has happened in like the three and a half weeks since we've spoken. It's it's quite unreal. I know. It's just like yeah, it's everyone saying when's the newsletter out? When's the letter out? <laughs> Every other day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think where we should start because we topped out at whatever it was like fifty eight thousand something last yeah. night. We're seeing a dip now. For some people, they're going to naturally panic. For me, I'm like, I expected this. But I've I've expected this two or three times since I last spoke to you. Um, we just keep going up. Mm-hmm. The, so this kind of blow-off is expected. Now, on the last one, uh, the Willy Woo Voodoo, you set the price floor in that current cycle to 29000 And I think it hit 29156 Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'd say that... You know, it's specific though. That's calculated, and it's calculated using daily close prices. So, if it, it the the results is also like daily close. So, you know, it could drop to twenty seven within the day and then bounce back up. And I, I mean, I think the the daily close actually was close to the thirty. Um, right. So it didn't hurt thirty and thirty point four. So yeah, but it, but it looked pretty spot on to that floor. Uh, yeah. So and it double tested. Um, and then we have the lovely uh, Elon pump, and then I think Ruffer, the hedge fund that bought at ten thousand, decided to take profit and sell off half their coins, which was six hundred fifty million. And I think that happened after the Elon pump. Um, and so, um, you know, I think a lot of us were quite surprised. We thought that would really stimulate buying, but it got slammed back down, and it almost looked like it was like a speculator. Um, Pump went up and then went back, went back down, but then, um, you know, we had that kind of really kind of weird price action. If you're watching it, it just just smoothly went up and up and up and up and up, and then uh, Elon Musk did his little uh, change of his profile to show Bitcoin. Mm. Um, oh no, no, that was the first pump. The second one was the SEC announcement, and and it, it showed us that. Um, some some of that buying, that really weird buying, it was just up and up and up. Um, was actually Tesla buying their one point five billion? Was it one point five? Yeah, one point five billion. Yeah. Um, so well, there's a lot to break down there, and I'll definitely come back to the Tesla stuff. Uh, I think I'll yeah. I'll start with where we're at now. Like, so we're we're seeing a bit of a dip now. I guess you were expecting this, right? Um, you know, you talk about in your newsletter, which by the way, I am loving. Like anyone listen to this. Go and sign up. It's in the show notes. It's the best money you'll spend every month. You'll learn so much. Um, I'm loving that newsletter. But you were talking about, you know, previously when we're at like 47,000, that the floor support was like 34 and it was rising like 600 a day. So you, you've been expecting a mm. while for, because you're saying we're ahead of the floor support. So whereabouts are we now? Like, what is the floor support now? What are you looking at? It's uh, it's 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 rising, you know. It's still rising. What was it like? It's about. It, currently, it's thirty eight thousand six hundred, which is very, you know. And this thing just keeps rising um, over time. So it's very seldom do you get it to drop even a little bit. So, um, like, I don't think you know that prior high we had at uh, forty to forty two thousand. Yeah. Um, before we got the pullback, um, that's probably going to find a very. That's going to be a very very strong support zone. Um, particularly since the the floor's almost, it's going to be there by the time. If we ever ran down there, and I'm not saying we will, if we ever ran down there, the floor support, that model was never broken in the history of Bitcoin. Um, so I, I say that you almost need a black swan to break that, that model. Right. Um, and so they'll coincide with this sort of technical support there. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're quite high above. I mean, if you calculate that as where we we were at the start of the day before this pullback, um, we went as high as, um, I think it was like 33%. Um, 30 to 30, let me just pull it up right now. It was like, yeah, we got to 32, yeah, 33%, 33% um, uh, within the 33% price pullback range. And put that in perspective, when we topped out at 40 Two thousand on the last um, top. Uh, that was in the thirty-two percent pullback zone. So, well, you know, it's 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 hot. Um, though, you know, in the last 
six weeks, I would say, um, five to six weeks, we saw um, this, this step jump in um, numbers of um, users coming on board uh, the the Bitcoin blockchain. And so that was a very strong signal that retail had arrived. And so, yeah, it wasn't a small graduation. It was like a overnight um, 3x in numbers per day coming in. And I'm sure if anyone's operating exchange, I'll be seeing that also. So, like, it's a different dynamic now. Previously, we had a lot of these institutional buyers and high net worth, you know, family office types buying in. And now we're, um, you know, it's a sea of people coming in mm. with a lot of small buys. And the the prices, you know, moved up quite high above the floor. And what that means is a lot of room to move. And, you know, a lot of work I do is really just reading the data that's coming off the blockchain. And when the retail come in, you know, they, they, um, they're buying, but, you know, you buy, they'll buy and often a majority of those guys uh, will buy and then leave their coins on Coinbase or whatever exchange that they're using um, and not even pull them off into their personal sovereign wallets. So um, we see no data when that happens. So right. we're in this zone where, um, you know, I used to have a, in the last four months when this entire run-up, I had a very, very high-resolution view of what's happening in the markets. All I know now is we're really floating quite high above that floor and retail's here, and it can when retail's here, it can get really FOMO-ish, right? It mm. can go really high, or and it can pull back suddenly too because that FOMO can turn into fear very quickly. Um, Remind yeah, me, Willie, so. how do you calculate that floor? It's um, it's proprietary actually. Okay. Is it like? Is it like? <laughs> I don't want it. I I kind of feel like if I released it, don't. um, it's like a target for everybody to um counter trade, mm -hmm. and so often when you release signals, um, they cease to um be true because it's not data symmetry. Um, so I don't want to tell no, people don't. how it's calculated. Is this like um, your equivalent of like grandma's secret recipe? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to give it out, but um, it does work on um, the capital flows that are coming in through that we're seeing on the blockchain. Um, and it's been quite accurate to date, to date being the last 12 years of price action. Um, so let's um, so. let's talk about the Tesla thing, right? Um, uh -huh. Obviously, you, you saw something weird was going on some weird buying. And there was something posted up on Reddit, and I'm not sure how whether that was true or not, but somebody was talking about the company they work for. I'm not sure if they named Tesla and or people assumed it was Tesla. But they were talking about the buying strategy. So my assumption is if you're gonna buy 1.5 billion of Bitcoin, you're not gonna yeah, you're not gonna fat thumb uh, spot buy of 1.5 billion Bitcoin in one go, right? <laughs> You've got to have a strategy for doing it. Like I don't know the kind of like daily flows, but I'm assuming at that level you've got to be buying across multiple exchanges. You've got to have some kind of strategy so you don't alert the market, you don't overpay, but at the same time you you keep picking up. Mm, mm. What's going on there? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't. You'd probably have to talk to uh, someone who is um, OTC like an, head of an OTC mm. desk. Um, I know that here in Asia. You know, obviously you're trying to match um, buyers to sellers, but, you know, hey, anyone want to sell $1.5 billion of Bitcoin? Anybody, anybody in this bull market? It's not going to happen. So generally what happens is that mismatch gets um, sucked off the exchanges. And so, and of course, it, it, the exchanges are very, very efficient. So you tend to break that buy into tiny little bits, like you say, and then you spread it around um, the all the exchanges through the entire world, actually. And anyone who's running a, a um, kind of a market-neutral hedge fund where they're like trying to close those inefficiency and extract a little bit of um, revenue from it, that and it's a very profitable endeavour. Um, they have all the technology to, you know, buy lots and lots of little small parcels, um, every second of the day, very high frequency. And that kind of infrastructure is um, what some of the OTC desks piggyback onto because, you know, the hedge funds have built it. So um, even over here in, in Asia, um, you know, like FTX here has an OTC um, 
like Portal and I, I think Binance has as well. And there's really like, um, I, I think that's very much the um, infrastructure that Alameda built when they were doing their, um, you know, funding arbitrage. Um, so yeah, the, the technology has been built. Um, so you'll just see the price move. Um, you'll see it move up and you won't see, you know, it's coming from one exchange or the other. Uh, what we do see is, um, often what we see is um, USDC being being bought um, and and created, I guess. Um, and that, that happens on Coinbase. And I think a lot of the um, US institutions are going through in that direction. But to be honest, I, I don't know exactly how that machine works over there in Coinbase. And um, you probably need to talk to someone else regarding that. Yeah, because it's like, there's questions I have, like other things is like, well, once you are buying, you also don't want to be sending it all to a single wallet because anyone looking can, can see what's going on there and it becomes very obvious and it becomes an opportunity to, to front run it. But I, but at the same time, like you said, you know, something, something was going on there, like a smooth... It was going up very smoothly, and even I could see like every every single dip was seemed to be being bought up. Yeah, and it was after this big shake off, right? And everyone was a little bit scared and a little bit gun shy, and yet the price just went up and up and up. Um, and so, yeah, like, yeah. But you know what? What it, what's interesting is that um, the the Bitcoin price movement. Um, I kind of wonder if you know. I kind of wonder if um, there were more buyers than just Tesla. Um, like, what is it? There's. I worked out if you were to look at the the just the um, the numbers of it. Um, Bitcoin's in that region where the market cap goes up uh, three dollars forty for every dollar you buy. So you would kind of expect you kind of expect what the market cap of Bitcoin to go up um, about five billion dollars. I, I suppose. Um, and of course, it moved up much bigger, and I think that's because other people piggyback on top, and and when they see it by going up, they buy as well. Um, well, somebody put out on Twitter the other day, and I'm not sure if it's true, but I think it's something like Coinbase has five people in the S and P 500 who've been buying. Yet the only one we know of is Tesla, so perhaps there is others. Oh, is that right? I, I haven't kept up with that news. There's there's five S and P five in the S and P five hundred. Well, that's what this tweet said, and I, I like I haven't been able to verify it, but uh, that's what they said. Yeah. But I, I suspect there are others as well. Um, well, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's it's interesting, eh? This is it's really interesting because you we are we have been seeing a lot of like you're saying how you know you you got to be careful and you, you you know if you you pull the coins off the wallet, other people front run you. Um, I think what generally happens is they've already bought at that point, um, and you you want to really wait for your um, buy to complete before you pull it off. Um, but yeah, it's in that zone. It was very very bullish, and coins were being pulled off, and we've had that we've had that quite consistently. Um, mm. Like it, it definitely was. I thought it was. I thought we'd pull back after that um, news was out. Like there was a. Huge spike upwards, and we broke the all-time high above the forty-two thousand. And I, I kind of thought that would like, because that was just on news and speculators just, you know, front-running the price upwards. Um, but like, it just kept going up, and it was the same pattern every time it dipped. It went up. I was expecting more of a proper consolidation where the price would come back down and would form more of a triangle pattern where each time it came down it would be bought up more and more but instead it kind of went upward in a sort of channel where every time it tried to go down it got bought up mm. and so um yeah it was it was just really interesting past that point yeah i also wonder sometimes like now right it's just dip now as we're talking having this conversation it's just i don't know i don't know if you just saw that it just went down to 46 700 you see that? Oh, it's a look. Yeah. And some, it's pretty vicious. Yeah, but it's bounced straight back to 5,100. I also wonder if there's some people who maybe have a target of buying mm. yeah, 1.5 billion, but others are also saying, look, yeah, we'll buy X if it drops to this price. Like, we're only interested if it drops you know, under under 50,000, mm. we'll buy some. Otherwise, like, let's just stay out. Like, I mean, I'd love to know some of the buying strategies of these companies and how it works. Um, 
It'd be really fascinating to understand, or, or if it's just, you know, buy at any cost because we know it's going to go up, right? If they've got these expectations of these long terms. I, I don't know if it's buy at any cost or just buy at opportunity, but that I'd love to know that. It'd be an interesting thing to talk to Michael Saylor about, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like it's it's normally you say when institutions buy. I mean, I think he went on record saying that you you wait for the market to come to you. But in this kind of bull market, um, the price was really it starts to run away from you. Mm. Um, and like now, like, but it wasn't a overheated zone. So I'd be really interested to know how they um, have that strategy. I, I imagine they just take the advice of. Um, the the traders they they employ or the, the OTC desk that they're using, mm. um, but I do, I've, I've, I'm curious at how um, MicroStrategy bought their coins, whether or not they, you know, they're a tech company, whether or not they actually built the infrastructure for themselves. Yeah, it's probably uh, probably something to get into with Sailor. I'll, tr- I'll try and reach out to him and see if he wants to talk about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so this 58k blow off, like <laughs> the fun- funny thing for me, I, I don't ever trade. Willy, I, I buy as and when. I buy sometimes on opportunity or sometimes because I've got excess cash flow in the business. And they're the two times I buy. Like, to be honest, if I did, if we weren't doing this conversation, I'd probably buy a little bit now. And I might do afterwards, mm-hmm. right? If it dips back below 50, I might buy some more. But I buy dips, but I never seem to sell tops because one problem I have is like, you know, if I go and look at the chart now, I'm going to draw it up in front of me, right? Since we spoke, I think when we spoke last time, um, here, I've got it here, I've written it down. When you and I spoke is when you were saying the potential price floor of 29K. So if I look at the chart, uh, let's get a one-month chart. So going back to, yeah, I've got here this dip down to 29K, right? It's about the 22nd of January. If I thought I was going to sell tops, when it went up to like 44, 46 that felt like somewhere where I'd be like, okay, I should sell off because it very quickly jumped on the 8th from about 37 up to 42. That felt like something to, to 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 sell. But then it just carried on, you know, I know it dipped back, but it just kept going mm. up and up and up. And so I always think like, that's where I, I like buying dips is, is fine because, you know, you're in a bull market, you expect it to go up. Selling tops in a bull market seems very, very difficult. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's pretty wise. Um. Yeah. I have a rule I never sell during a bull market. I only buy dips on margin and then I'll exit when it gets toppy. And um, I've actually run, I've run a simulation of it. And um, yeah, you, you kind of, you kind of, um, it, was, it was very, very minor returns you get from, from, um, from selling tops and then buying the dip. Um, the and I, and you know of course the simulation you have to give it a strategy and mine was just a simple moving average and you know you you, you sell a bit high you buy a bit low and it's a bit laggy um, but instead if you flip that strategy and you go um, when it crosses bullish I buy on margin and then when it crosses bearish I sell that it was like a ridiculous return right it was just it was just I think it was about ten times higher than um, the other way around. And so I think a lot of people come into this market and they, they're used to buying spot position and, um, you know, they buy, the, they buy the coin and then they're used to selling the coin because, you know, they bought it on Coinbase or Kraken and that's what they're used to and they haven't been accustomed to how to essentially buy um, on margin, which is exactly how we buy our houses. Very few people buy um, the full price of cash to buy your house. You go to the bank and you buy the the rest of the what seventy or sixty percent of the house from a bank loan, um, and that's essentially what you do when you go to Kraken and you buy on margin. And um, it turns out that's a better strategy. And I think a lot of people like you. It's it's not really recommended that you wanna you know, play that margin game, that's far better to do what, um, you know, essentially you're doing, Peter, to just buy, hold, and forget about it. But if you, you know, everyone's tempted to trade, and if you're going to trade, I've, I just found that it's very, very important not to try and sell the tops, unless you're a pro day trader. Mm-hmm. Um, you're better to buy dips. Like, just like all the Bitcoiners say, buy the dip. Um, and if you want, buy the dip with margin, 
And then when you feel like it's toppy, then you can sell that. At least you're you're selling um, the coins you bought that, you know, you wouldn't have bought anyway. Um, so you've still got your spot position there. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, buy the dip is, is the main thing you want to do. And the only time you really want to um, consider selling the top is the, uh, the macro top. Yeah, um, the end of the cycle. And that's, you know. The end of the cycle. That's right. Um, well, I tell you what. I, 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 so, I'm trying to, I'm trying to develop a strategy for me, which I think works for everyone else. And whilst dollar value is great, what I don't want to do is end up with less Bitcoin during the cycle. And the way I can mm-hmm. see I can end up with less Bitcoin is, I sell what I think is a top, and the price goes up, and then I have to buy some more. Right, so therefore I end up with less Bitcoin. The other thing is where I can ever be in a position where I'm margin called. If I can ever be in a position where I'm margin called or stopped out, right, then I can lose Bitcoin. So I don't do any of those things. Yeah. But like I say, I buy dips, I stack my sats, I keep going, and you know I'm waiting. I'm waiting this big macro picture play out. But what I did do is uh, the first time I ever bought Bitcoin. Well, I didn't actually buy Bitcoin. First time I ever traded Bitcoin was back in 2017. Was on plus 500 CFDs. And I've st- I reopened an account after our last conversation. I thought, I'm just going to put in a couple of thousand pounds and have a play. And all I've done is every time there's been a dip, I've bought and I've watched it go up 15, 20% and then I've sold. And in the space that since we had our last conversation, that two, th- I've got it here, I've got it open. That 2,000 pound I put in is now 3,086. So I've made 50%, right? But mm-hmm. I, it's, it's play money. It's only a couple of thousand. But I felt like what I could do is I could use this entire cycle just to learn and see if that strategy works for me. And then if it does, then maybe next time, Willie, I'll, I'll actually try try it. Maybe I'll put a couple of Bitcoin or one, well, it depends what Bitcoin price is. Maybe I'll put half a Bitcoin or a Bitcoin buy it in the next one and actually start executing that strategy. Um, but it works for me. I'm not losing any money. The one thing I would ask you, though, is does the, does the reverse work in a bear market? That you sell tops, uh, yeah, it kind of does. It does. Um, I, I, th- I think it's. Um, I have to wrap my head around it. Like I had had it in my head in the last bear market. I think it's just diminishing returns from memory. As you, as you, uh, like the the, you know, when the price is going up and go to infinity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, literally, if the US dollar goes away. Yeah. But in the bear market, you know it. It can't go to z- below zero. <laughs> it can only go to zero. So you can only capture the gain of um, the price. So, so Bitcoin's at like $10,000 and it goes to, say, $3,000. you are only going to capture that move downwards, um, whatever that is. Like that's $7,000 of movement. Mm-hmm. If it goes to zero, you're going to capture $10,000 of movement. Yeah. Um, so it's very diminishing return. So it's not as great to short in a bear market um, in that re- regard, especially in this kind of asset class, which is, you know, it's 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 a, essentially an adoption curve where we're going from nobody in the world having Bitcoin to majority of the world. And that, that by the way, is 2% of the world own it right now. So you can imagine the growth that that is to come were... What is it? Nine ninety four, I think. Um, in in terms of internet adoption, um, that was when we had uh, the hundred and forty million people using Bitcoin, or in that case, the internet back then. Um, it's higher than that. That was January, by the way. That was the January figure. So, um, trying to short the internet, it's it's not a great it's not a great um, strategy. You know, you might get lucky timing it. Um, Right over the next few weeks or months before the and the bear markets don't last more than twelve months. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and remember the last the last bull market was a hundred x, and the bear market went down from twenty thousand to three thousand. Um, so that was a like what was it? Um, barely a sixteen and a half thousand dollar move. Um, it, you're not going to do the kind of r- r- ridiculous returns you get on a long. Uh, market. So you get these people like Parabolic Trav who 
will just disappear <laughs> from the whole scene. It'll only pop up when the bull market's there because he's on. He'll just go and take his holiday in the Bahamas or whatever he does. Free holiday. Um, you know, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Because um, a lot of work shorting a bear market and, you know, you're playing chicken with freight train, really. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. For smaller gains, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that kind of, I, I, yeah. That kind of makes sense. That's one hell of a wick we're seeing right now, dude. Yeah, I'm like, I'm constantly like, I'm like, mm, should you mm, should you be trading? I'm this. kind of in a neutral position right now. I, I just I just moved out of all trades, but that looks like it's going to move up, isn't it? Well, it depends. It depends because there's a couple of things. Like, for example, I mean, Tesla are in a very good position, right? They you know bought a bunch of Bitcoin. It's turned out that they have made more money on Bitcoin in this couple of weeks than they've made in the last year selling cars. And we've got no idea if someone like Elon Musk is getting that kind of FOMO you get after you you first make a bit of money with Bitcoin. He could be thinking, we should put some more in, or I, sh- you know, I should put some SpaceX money in. We don't know if Michael Saylor's raised his money and thinks, right, this is the opportunity to deploy that $900 million. You know, we, ju- we just don't know. We don't know. The, the other thing I, uh, that's on my mind mm-hmm. is that I think, I feel like, there's something different going on this year. These dips are getting eaten up really quickly. I, 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 and I don't know what's going on. Perhaps you're seeing something. But I'm seeing a lot, a lot more people this time who are saying to me uh, that I don't want to sell my Bitcoin ever. And we've got this maturing market for borrowing and lending, the likes of BlockFi, you know, the Unchained Capitals, the uh, Ledins, the Genesis. And I wonder if people these days are thinking, I don't want to sell my Bitcoins, so I'm buying them, I'm holding forever, and I'm just going to leverage against it. So I'm wondering if there's like these dips are that get eaten back up. There's something going on there based on the fact there isn't that many sellers. Like it's hard to wipe out that many sellers because there aren't many. I don't know. You might be seeing, are you reading anything different? I'm, I'm reading the same. There's, um, there's a number of touch points regarding that. Like, like I did a study a while back, I just mentioned earlier, it was, it was really a measure of this, um, you know, that the, there's this term called um, reflexiveness, I think. It's a, a George Soros term, which is essentially this feedback loop where in commodity markets where um, as the asset price goes up, then there's less um, selling and it's a feedback loop and it's, it tends to go more exponential. So I did a little... Um, Calculation from the the on-chain data we had, and you can kind of measure um, you measure the the capital that's been stored in Bitcoin um, because you can kind of see when the purchaser bought and what they paid for it, and that was actually the capital they put in. Um, so you can do a ratio of the capital that that has been um, stored in Bitcoin and how that tracks upwards versus how the price moves upwards and. Um, therefore, you get this ratio of how much um, the actual price goes up to the amount of buying that was done with it. And it's been, you know, it, it didn't really support the theory. We always thought in the in the bull market, um, less and less people would, would, would actually sell um, because it's going up. But actually what happened um, from the data, you can see that Actually, people did sell into it. These old-time whales that, and you, we can tell it was the old-time whales because you can see the age of those coins being sold. Um, they, they they bought it like pennies, and so they sold into the first bull run runs, you know, and then they and they sold into the um, twenty thirteen run. They sold into the twenty seventeen run, and um, the across the the span of that bull market, the the dollar gain of Bitcoin was static compared to how much money was coming in yet um, this one's been unique because that is ramping up as as the price is going up there's less capital needed to push it up even further because the um, there's fewer people selling into it right so I'm seeing that for on the data that kind of for sure so you're talking about the essentially it's a redistribution from OGs. You know, every cycle, yeah. there's, I guess there's some of them have, well, some of them probably don't want to sell, some have got less left to sell, you know, for a range of reasons. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I was saying, like, say you're 30, mm-hmm. um, say you're 30 and you bought into Bitcoin um, 10 years ago, and now you've got like $500 million of Bitcoin, um, and you're 40. 
you, you probably got 20 good years to spend that money. So you're not really in the game of collecting more Bitcoins because it's going up exponentially. You're, you're in the business of selling and trying to figure out what to do with that money because you've now got the problem of having too much money um, without, you know, <laughs> probably without a, a, a project to spend it on, like maybe Elon Musk would have a project to spend that kind of money on to get us to Mars. But uh, yeah, so it's a different, I think it's a different mindset and certainly the OGs have constantly been selling and that's been creating a very nice distribution, um, which is, it got, flies in the face of this FUD that the popular media like to, to throw up Bitcoin where, you know, it's, it's controlled by a very select few. It's what we're actually seeing from the data is that it's, uh, it's being distributed um, and more and more so. Next up, I talk to Willie more about trading a Bitcoin bull market. Before that, I have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Today, we're kicking off with Kraken, the best place for buying and selling Bitcoin and the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. YP. Well, listen, look, Kraken is consistently rated the best and most secure crypto exchange, and security is really important to me. They also have the best in class in customer service. So if you have an issue, whatever it is, whoever you are, just reach out to them and they're going to get that fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. So whatever your level of experience, if you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile first app, so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Next up, we have BlockFi. Now with BlockFi, you can open up an interest account and start earning interest on your Bitcoin. I've been doing this for over a year and it's, you know, it's really nice to get some of my Bitcoin working for me. Now you can also use your Bitcoin as collateral to take out a USD loan and you can find your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet. And with the BlockFi mobile app, you can now fully manage your account on the go. And with their Visa Rewards Bitcoin card coming soon, they're really going to crush this year. Now, I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And lastly, today is my new sponsor, Ledger. Now, Ledger was the first wallet I ever used, and I am still using the Nano I bought four years ago. And the thing about Ledger which really works for me is they've crushed the UX, not only with the device, but also with Ledger Live, where you can safely manage your Bitcoin. You can even connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. I am a big fan of the product. I'm a big fan of how easy it is to use. Now, if you want to check out Ledger, just head over to their website, which is ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. But it's that narr- that never sell narrative that, that's coming up. Like um, somebody said, a few, well, it's a few different things. Like, like Michael Saylor said it quite a bit about that. You know, why would you sell a pristine asset? You know, you can leverage this. Like he can, he can borrow money in the in the markets for zero percent, right? I spoke with uh, Jamie, the CEO of Hot Mining. She was talking about the fact that, you know, to cover certain capital expenditures or costs, they just borrow against their Bitcoin. They don't want to sell their Bitcoin. And I'm feeling similar, Willie. Like I had this long conversation with my son yesterday because he was like, "Oh, Dad, but you know, you could buy that car you wanted or whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, I could." But, you know, this Bitcoin might go up to to X price. But what I can do is I can leverage against it. I think it's slightly different. Like, if you want to buy, like, a house, I think it's slightly different because the loan you might get against the Bitcoin is, like, really expensive. And especially if it's towards the end of a macro cycle. But at the same time, I I did an interview with Dan. We talked about the super cycle. And I've talked to a few people. There, There does seem to be this change in mentality now that people aren't thinking, oh, I need to sell my Bitcoin. There's a lot of people now talking about how do, what can I do to not sell my Bitcoin and just keep holding it forever? I mean, it does make sense, right? Because it's so scarce. Mm. And if, if fiat is going to self-destruct, and you know, I do think that we're coming into a, a new era um, of money. Um, like, I, I don't think it's too crazy to think that the structure of our money is about to be re- um, Invented, um, you know. I mean, Ray Dalio will talk about this as a reset of the long-term debt cycle. Every every time, every like hundred years, we reset the money. So maybe we reinvent it with something like 
Bitcoin that backs it, or Bitcoin becomes it. I think a lot of maximalists think it's that. So if that's the case, yeah, you, you're never going to sell. Yeah, it's it's valid. Um, I think we're we're in a. I don't know when that will happen. Um, I think in the shorter term. I honestly don't understand the structure of what's happening behind the scenes when you go and get maybe a BlockFi loan um, and you over-collateralize your Bitcoin, so you're essentially giving it to another player. They're figuring out how to make that make money on that um, by having you know more Bitcoins than the loan you've taken out. Um, but essentially you're... Um, you're doing a margin position. You're like you're buying, you're you're getting a loan on um, a fiat in this case on your Bitcoin. So you're probably going to be more sensitive to selling your Bitcoins now because um, a lot rides on it. If the Bitcoin price starts to drop, you're probably going to call in that loan or you're going to sell your Bitcoins. You'll probably sell more Bitcoins because you've you've you know grabbed a loan to buy some stuff. Um, than if you were just holding without the debt. So I do think that um, as people are not selling their Bitcoins um, in the bull market run-up, um, it's adding fuel to the, the upward trajectory of Bitcoin. But once that starts to turn, um, I could see that reversing really quick mm. um, and everybody's selling their coins very quickly and we'll get the same sort of amplified downward selling that we got on the run-up um, the question with with um, the super cycle that Dan uh, mentions is when will that happen? Will it not happen end of this year where we normally expect it? Will it happen, you know, sometime further into the future? Um, so I don't think anyone knows definitively mm. whether that's going to happen. We probably need to see see a lot. We need to see the data when we get closer. We'll see it when we get closer. I think Dep- the, the science will be there. Well, it depends who's selling as well. I, you know, I, I have a gut feeling that it's more likely to be retail who are looking for that opportunity to sell at the top. I can't see Tesla looking to unload $1.5 billion of a Bitcoin towards the top because um, I think it, they potentially end up... Like, if, if, it, if, if it does happen and then Square does, and my, all those you know companies look to unload those billion-dollar positions, that could be quite catastrophic for the price. Ah, uh, yeah. I think um, no doubt it would be <laughs> if, if let's say, um, twenty five percent of the S and P five hundred decides to unload their positions. <laughs> that would be catastrophic. I think that when we talk about institutions, it's it's quite an interesting term. It's like um, let's create a, a word. Let's call it institutions, and if we translate that, it means menagerie. Right? Mm. It means here's this kind of species. Which is a um, a Tesla, and then you know you roughly there's this other species which is a microstrategy, and that in itself they're two different animals. Microstrategy is essentially a um, a you know an ETF without being an ETF. <laughs> they issue they issue convertible notes. Um, and then that's how they buy more Bitcoin. You know, you can convert those, those that debt instrument into the equity, which is essentially the Bitcoins. Um, so, and it tracks like a, a, a um, an ETF. So I think that it that that's a different animal from Tesla, who just actually want to use that to shelter from the inflation that's happening on their their cash position. And then you've got like um, Grayscale. Then you've got like um, Ruffer, who just sold two six hundred fifty million dollars worth of their Bitcoin back at the uh, $40,000 ish um, range. Well, the Ruffer like one's interesting because I was chatting to Nick Carter about this. I think it was Nick Carter, but essentially their Bitcoin position is now a free position, right? Because essentially they sold off their original investment cost. Mm-hmm. So all the Bitcoin they're holding now, they mm-hmm. essentially hold for free, um, and they were they received some criticism. But there is also that that situation where some companies are saying, look, we're going to have a 2.5% allocation, but if the price doubles, maybe their allocation becomes 5%, so they have to sell off. And um, I think if we see an increase in these companies who are just said in uh, an allocation, whether it's 2%, 5%, whatever, that that's going to hopefully give some stability to the price because therefore if the price drops, they'll increase their position. Do you follow that? 
Would they increase their position? I don't know. Like their their director was like too much of our funders within this um, this you know was did it go up to five percent or ten percent? Yeah. They, they will have a particular risk management strategy. That strategy is you know like in that particular hedge fund, they they don't know it probably. They don't know that they invested in the closest thing to a publicly traded startup, and so what their directive was is to. Um, sell their winner to buy more of their losers, right? Well, you never do that in, in tech. And so I don't know if, like, the, the, the free Bitcoins they've got now becomes, like, if it becomes, like, 70% of their portfolio, which I think a lot of Bitcoiners who have been in the game long enough, they put in, like, 1% of their, their, their assets and now it's, like, 90%. They understand this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if like that kind of fund would just decide to um, not sell anymore or buy more because why would you buy more? It's already ninety percent of your portfolio. It doesn't even make sense. Um, so I, I don't know if that would be the case. Um, it would have to be down to the director of each fund. Um, I mean, Nick Carter I think has a fair idea of how funds operate, um, but and again, each fund is different. You can have like funds that buy and hold for a long long-term, like a uh, placeholder, and you can have more trading funds. Um, like, and, you know, just, they might be playing all sorts of strategies. Um, so the, when we say institutions, they're a complete menagerie and they're almost like people. Um, everyone's got their own strategy. <laughs> and I don't think we can make a, a call on that. This will happen because institutions are here. Um, I can totally see institutions selling tens of billions of dollars of Bitcoin at the top, um, like serious amounts because they're more actively traded or that they've got very strong risk management protocols. Uh, I don't know if, oh, I, well, we were pretty sure that MicroStrategy won't be selling because I just <laughs> I just rewatched um, Michael Saylor um, essentially reiterating that in very, very strong terms and not mincing words to Laura Shin in her show. So, um, what did he say? I've not listened number- to that. Um, oh, it was a, like a ten-minute case um, that this is the the monetary network. Um, why the heck would I want to sell? Would I want to sell electricity? To um, you know, would I sell the electricity technology to ha- to buy back what we had before? You know, essentially, this is the future. Um, I'm not selling that over a silly little short term trade. If you're a trader, you might want to sell the top and buy the dip, but he's in it because this is the future. Um, and so, very strong arguments over a long arc of time of where we are going, without a shadow of a doubt, um, which I agree with. Um, it's just whether or not that. <laughs> the the bear markets to date have been pretty pretty rough, and I'm thinking Michael Saylor um, is resolute in that position. I don't know if the shareholders would be, um, and who will have to weather that. And I think anyone who's been in it more than one cycle will understand what it feels like to weather a bear market in Bitcoin. So um, I'm interested to see how that 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 works out. Um, yeah. Do you know what though, Willie? The, the bear markets are rough. I've, I've kind of been through two now. One actively, which was the last one. The other one more passively. But they're they're rough. But in some ways, they're less stressful. Oh, it's so great! Eh? You can take a break. Yeah. <laughs> like the scammers go take away. Break, My emails are, uh, have a bit of a, more of a break. You can focus on building things. Like it's a bit more stressful now. Um, there's a lot more pressure on your time, but I don't know. I can't, there's something enjoyable about a bear market. I, I, I guess if you if you if you totally sold agree. near the top, <laughs> if you sold near the top, especially as well. I remember a friend of mine in the last uh, bull market. He came to me when Bitcoin was like about two thousand. He was thinking of getting in, and he bought you know a few Bitcoin, and he contacted me when he sold at nineteen thousand. I was like, mate, you've killed it. <laughs> Oh my, yeah. that's just, uh, yeah. Was that luck or was that just he was a pro? No, I think it was a bit of luck. It went up, he thought it was a good time to sell. Um, you, you know, like it hit kind of like 20, dropped and bounced straight back up. On the yeah. bounce back up, he sold it. 
Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. It was absolutely perfect. Whereas I held that shit all the way down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think um, even if you sell like, maybe you sell half, yeah. something like that, or you, you at least know if it goes up, you should be happy. If it goes down, you should be happy. Um, unless you're the the other type that's going to be sad either way. <laughs> How's your, um, what are your views now on the kind of like the wider, the, the wider macro cycle? Because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday um, and they've talked about, uh, there was a tweet that went up from uh, Cobain, who seems to always be very accurate with his. Talked about 800k by November. Talks about 200k Q2, and then a very painful Q3. Uh, you've talked about a 400k potential top. Like, what, have you got a change in view on the wider macro thing? What are you looking at? What are you seeing? Because uh, you know, we are we're at the stage where we've got corporate corporate FOMO, and these people have got deep pockets. Uh, and that's against the backdrop of wider uh, economic problems. And we've also got the kind of like the first sniffs of nation state state adoption. The kind of message is that the rumor of Kenya adopting the the senator in the Nigeria in Nigeria saying that Bitcoin makes their currency look effectively worthless. My assumption is like someone somewhere within a central bank or government has got to be looking and going, mm, we might want to think about this. Um, you know, if we start to see a wider corporate FOMO and a wider, potentially even nation state, we're like, we could really see something like we've never seen before, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, it, like, it, it, you know, I, I thought about it from a while back that you know we're used to these four-year cycles, um, and you know we we're locked into the gravity um, impulses. Not the gravity, but essentially the impulses of the block the block halving every four years. But at a certain point, that kind of supply shock, which gives it a shove, becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. And I think we were talking about it on your show the first time where mm. actually the sell-off from exchanges to pay their salaries and profits and move it into cash is actually more significant mm. than the sell pressure of the miners now, right? So the halving cycles become less um, important and What's happening in the macro space, the traditional markets, who's buying, who's selling, becomes more important. I kind of thought that might happen in another four years, but I did not initially think that, you know, suddenly would have all the corporate America saying to look at buying this, this stuff. Um, and certainly that that's kind of an order of magnitude of buying power that we've seen before. Like, um, Well, we've seen that once before. I saw that in that first really crazy bull market in um, 2012 to 13, and we had Mt. Gox that was live and people around the world could buy the coins. And instead of, you know, having to figure out who was mining it and trying to contact them. And so that was a big mismatch in, in you know, buying power compared to, you know, what was traditionally there. And we're seeing that now with these, these you know huge amounts of trillions of dollar sort of corporate treasuries looking at buying in so uh, yeah <laughs> Dan supercycle um, Dan held supercycle for sure that's got a, a very definite um, logic there and so but I, one thing I, I do is I don't try to say that we're going to do this and then going to do this and we're going to do this because. Um, what I, I want to wait for is to have s significant concrete um, information that's coming off the blockchain or, or coming off exchanges. Or I just want data yeah. to be able to see whether or not that's actually possible. And I, I want to look at the models. And the models currently point to two to 300, but they're constantly moving and changing. And so um, I'm looking, what? 10 months into the future with that model. But like really the majority of the models that I have and from the data, it's only, you know, within three months ahead. And so I can't make a call of where we're going to go up, down, all this. Like that that's probably more behavioral economics of yeah. looking at the participants. Um, and, it, you know, you can make guesses for sure. But I guess you get um, surprises, right? Like Michael Saylor was, before we had Michael Saylor, we, we had a... A price that was trying to get above 10k and stay above k, and then we have Michael Saylor comes in like a whirlwind and changes everything. And then prior to our, you know, before we spoke last time, we we didn't have Tesla. Tesla's a game changer, I guess. If uh, you know, in the next couple of months, uh, India comes out and says they're building 
$5 billion of Bitcoin on their balance sheet alongside their gold stocks, again, that's another game changer. So I guess things can change quite significantly and you have to react to that. But at the same time, you're still going to be using the on-chain data. You're still going to be looking for indications of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's a pity I can't see which countries they're coming from because um, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if it was India buying because they banned it? Yeah. <laughs> and you've got 1.5 billion people going, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I was, I was told there's more buying coming in from South America. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I guess local bitcoins is the place to, yeah. to look at. I, I don't monitor their data. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you see that bitcoins just pumping right now? Yeah, I know. Like I mean, it's they, basically ooh, it is so, bye bye. <laughs> so we started this conversation, and Bitcoin was at like fifty four, and then during the conversation, <laughs> yeah. it went down to forty six point seven, and now it's basically back up to fifty four. So it's just, yeah, it's just insane. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? It's it's been that year that would I I wouldn't be surprised if we get another all time high today. Like later today, we're like at fifty nine because <laughs> of the way this weird year is happening. Yeah, I think if it gets past that, I'm looking at the resistance line. If it gets past that, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go. Well, it's going already. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's a funny thing. This Bitcoin price. It is it this year though. Glued to their screens. These these dips didn't. I don't remember in 2017 these dips getting eaten up like this. I just don't remember it. Maybe it did. I I just don't remember it. But there must have been some big. Oh, they were they were more volatile actually, and like we're we're like um, kind of mind blown by the thousands of dollars of movement. But should be looking at the percentages um, really, shouldn't we? You look at the log chart yeah. of it, it's like, gosh, why is it so smooth? Um, yeah, it's like we pulled back. What was that? That was that tiny little wick, and everyone was freaking. Um, it went from fifty. 50, um, 58, just below 58 to 54, dropped down $4,000, which is like it's a tiny little, it's a tiny little it's a dip, um, dip for Bitcoin. It's like, it's like yeah, 6%. It's not like that. That's cool. <laughs> that was the bottom of the wick, you know. That's a lot of volume pushing it back up now, though, again. Look, 54. Listen, I've got a couple more questions before we finish off. Um, so another thing that stood out to me was I felt like we got through 54K pretty, uh, sorry, 50K pretty easily. I expected it to be some kind of psychological barrier. Uh, uh, and we bounced against it once, then Sailor announces that he's you know doing another convertible note. And so that gave us a push. Uh, are you expecting any kind of like, like how important are these psychological numbers, these kind of milestones? Because I look at something like 100,000, I think anyone who sat there with 10, 10 Bitcoin is thinking, oh, I'm a millionaire. Like, do you do, do you get these psychological barriers or just is yeah. it just not relevant? I think they're relevant. We, we had the $1,000 barrier. Um, and then we had um, 100 million was a big one, wasn't it? Around six, 6 million, and we just stuck on there for a long time. Um, I was surprised that we sliced through the $1 trillion mark very quickly, but it looks like we came back to retest that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think, that, I think it makes a difference. Um, I think it does. I think maybe we had this kind of news cycle and just the FOMO um, just, you know, on overdrive, the last few weeks that we we were able to slice through it. I think if we were a much more tentative market, these these barriers would be a little bit, you know, the psychology would would of these round numbers would probably have been a little bit stronger. Um, yeah, yeah, I put weight on it. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange one on the um, on these psychological barriers because the the one trillion. I I I was similar. I mean, I know it's a moving target, but um, it seemed like it for, I don't know, was it like a half an hour now? It seemed to kind of like bump up against like a flat price and it didn't move. And then suddenly we were through and we were gone. Um, yeah. You know what, though? Like, we won't think of the $1 trillion mark as a resistance. Um, but I don't know about you, but I was listening to some of the stuff, like the um, the the conference that Michael Saylor put for corporates. And what was interesting was that we were like wanting to buy cheap, right? Oh, it's too expensive for us now. It's like what fifty thousand or forty thousand dollars. Whereas institutions are waiting for it to be de-risked, so yeah. they want to buy it expensive. Yeah. And so one trillion dollars now we can buy it. Yeah, that's what Travis. <laughs> so resistance. 
a couple of years ago, Travis King was saying to me, a year ago, he was saying, listen, there's some people who can't buy until it's over a trillion dollar market cap because it's seen as too small, seen as too risky. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they just can't buy it. Yeah. They'll get fired for buying it for less than a, a trillion dollars, right? Yeah. So it's like a, no one wants to get fired. So it's a really unusual thing. Like for someone like myself, who's not a trader. Um, yeah, really unusual. All right, listen. Bef- before we finish off, anything else you're looking at? Anything else you're thinking about? Anything on your mind? Yeah, I was. I was trying to figure out um, the this big sell-off, um, and you know, the very peak of it started when. Um, there was a little uh, alert that we had $1.5 billion that just moved into the exchanges to sell. The assumption was to sell. And um, I think that spread amongst traders and we started to see the sell-off preempting that. And what I was just talking to the CTO of uh, Raphael, the CTO of, um, of Glassnode, and just saying, is this legit? And um, it looks like that was actually a labeling error on the wallets um, and that it was just an internal movement of coins within Gemini um, and, and um, that, that, that killed our momentum. That might have been what killed our momentum. We had plenty of move to, room to move downwards because we were floating so high above the fundamental floor. But, um, yeah, that might have been what, what caused this, this crazy sell-off and it was just fear incited by bad data. Um, which is pretty interesting to me. I've had the chart hope open this whole session we've been doing, and it's been fascinating to watch. Um, yeah, it's like crazy little wick down now. It's not even little. It's just that's it, it's uh, yeah. We're hypnotized by the chart yeah. right now. Well, we, we we're above the wick down from that fifty, that one below, just below fifty eight. I tell you what, I I reckon we're gonna I, I'm gonna crack up if we do an all time high today. That'll be hilarious. Imagine <laughs> imagine we finish the day above sixty k. That's gonna be hilarious. Um, like I tell you, that that kind of wick when it goes that deep and it's rejected, that's that's ridiculously bullish yeah. for the next uh, next few hours and days ahead. When it's when it's rejected um, though, what does that mean? What like like what's going on down there? Like how is that being like? What it's rejected? saying it's what it's saying is I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling. There's everyone scared and then buyers are coming in and saying, I'll buy that, I'll buy that. Right. And so you can't force the price down because there's very, very um, strong buying going, that is a bargain. So we never got price discovery for very long down in that range. Um, price discovery happens when, you know, goes move sideways a bit and they're kind of agreeing. But when it goes way down asymmetrically downwards and it gets bought up, we know, okay, it's cheap down there. It doesn't belong down there. It belongs up here. So that's what's just happened right now. Interesting. Well, listen, Willie, love chatting to you. Learned so much from you. Anyone listening, just definitely go and check Willie's email out. Sign up. It's well worth the money. I subscribed. He did offer it to me for free, but uh, I subscribed. It's well worth the money. Um, listen, dude, appreciate it. Tell people where to go and sign up, where to follow you. Yeah, just go to my Twitter profile, um, Woonomic, um, on Twitter. Um, and the links are from there. Um, I write on Substack. It's willywoo.substack.com. But yeah, just go to the Twitter profile and there's the link there. All right, nice one, dude. Well, listen, look, take care, Willie. And I guess I'll see you in a month and we'll see what weird shit happens in the next month. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peter. It's been fun talking. Okay, what a great show. I love getting Willie on. He's one of the people I learn most from. And listen, I'm not like an active trader, but I am considering the market. I am wondering sometimes, should I be selling or should I be buying more? And I just learned so much from him. And I've loved his newsletter. Look, Willie offered it to me for free, but I signed up. I always pay for the services I get from people who come on the show or people who are sponsors. Like, I have to trust that I would use the product anyway. So go and check out Willie's newsletter. It is linked in the show notes. Now listen, even with the recent price action, it seems there is no reason to be bearish. It's still only February, and if this year plays out like a lot of people are predicting, the last thing you want to be doing is panic selling your Bitcoin. I know it's tricky. Like, this is my second bull market, and the last one I tried to play it right. I tried to find tops and bottoms, and you know what? I screwed up. I ended up with less Bitcoin than I started with. So this time, I'm approaching things differently. I am buying dips, and I'm holding strong. Anyway, listen, I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you enjoy these regular shows. 
I've got the episode with Lynn coming out on Friday and Shinobi coming up on Sunday, so make sure you come back and check those out. You know if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I do and try and reply to everyone. Just don't send me any weird shit. Honestly, I get some really weird emails. Just don't send me weird stuff, honestly, please. Outside of that, if you want to support the show, head over to iTunes and leave me a review. Five stars if you think it deserves it. And if you don't like the show, you think it's crap, well, just give me a one-star review. I can take it. Outside of that, go and check out Defiance.news, our latest show for Defiance Tech. It's our premier Defiance Tech show, Hacking the Brain. That was produced by Edwina Stott. Honestly, the show's fantastic. Go and check that out. And also, sign up to my newsletter. That's at neveredit.com. That is your daily dose of Bitcoin, macro, and tech. All right, have a great week. Love you all, and I will see you all on Friday.